Sports Crime Liberty Show with me, Swithin Dobson, and him, Tim Patton. Today we discuss what would policing look like in Ankapistan. We recently discussed um, the purpose of justice and uh, what the point of that was, but now we want to think about what role would the police have in Ankapistan? Uh, would it be very similar to how they operate today, or would it be radically different? Uh, Tim, you've been giving some thoughts to this matter. Well, first of all, you, you could start with a statement and argue that in a free society, which is what technically Ankastan is in theory, whether everyone thinks that, whether thinks it's just a private tyranny, as we've discussed in the past of some question, there might not need, need to be law enforcement. Um, you know, the Marxists, of course, think crime is an extension of class oppression. Um, and then if you get in, in, a, in a free society, there'll be no such thing as class oppression. Even Hans Hoppe at times agrees with the Marxists. As well, in in theory, although although it's it's unclear to what to extent, and there's also of course inequality, uh, and of course Chomsky, Foucault brought this up to Chomsky in his debate over justice. He said, you know, in, a, in a just society would be just, you know, you wouldn't even need the institution justice. You know, it's a bourgeois idea, it's sort of a bourgeois oppression. Um, so I mean, and if your ideal society consists of everything being guaranteed or free, which wouldn't necessarily be, wouldn't be in Pakistan, then why would you need to steal? Either. And even libertarians, some of the more liberal libertarians, oftentimes engage in the same kind of utopianism, I'd argue, um, saying that everything would be perfect in, in Kapistan. Um, you know, it would be very wealthy, so so why would anyone have to do any crime um, and so forth? Now, I think that's utopian. Um, and now, the reason I think that's utopian is I think that even wealthy people steal, and not just steal in the sense that, like, they do what, what the left calls white-collar crimes. They do actual... You know, people will do thrill-seeking crimes. People will, you know, trespass. Um, and at times, this can border on, you know, actually somewhat dangerous things. At times, at times, it's just victimless crimes in the libertarian parlance. Uh, but I do, I, but I, but I don't think things like murder are going away. I mean, wealthy people will murder their spouses. Uh, 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 very affable people will murder their children and so forth. Um, this this happens. Um, this, I, I don't think this is going away um, neither a in, in, in Pakistan or an ideal society. Um, um, so, so I think crime is going to continue to exist, um, and, I, and I do think some sort of justice system should exist, and the organization tasked with carrying it out in our current society is the police and the state court system. Uh, so so I've, I've demonstrated I think that it has to exist, and I, I do think the police in theory deter people. Now, the, the critics will always say, well, um, there are still people that commit murder. Well, I would say the evidence is counterfactual. The people who don't commit – the people that could have committed murder um, but then thought, eh, I don't want to go to prison. I don't want to have to deal with the police. I won't do this. Um, um, I think people in other areas think deterrence works. Um, I think I, deterrence is not just a theoretical concept. I mean no one – no, and Nassim Taleb makes this point about driving. The reason why no one drives on the wrong side of the road, of course, in the U.S. and Britain, it's the opposite, um, is because it's getting in the game. I mean, it, you just get you'd get killed if you get on the wrong side of a four-lane highway um, fairly quickly. Um, anyone who did that would die fairly instantly if it's a fairly busy and you're going about you know 70 miles an hour, 100 kilometers, whatever. You're going to be done. so. So in that regard, you know, there is a clear deterrence. Um, now, it is true that not all crimes get solved, but some crimes do get solved. Um, it, you know, there are people who get away with things. 
Um, there are wealthy people that might get away with more things, but even even so, there are there are some people that get in jail. It's not it's not it's not like it, it's totally you know it's even though the percentages are not 100 percent, they're high or higher enough that I think the deterrence in theory works. Um, and and you know so that's in general I would say deterrence. So I think the police I think so first of all I do think. Or there's going to be crime in an ideal society, and then maybe that's maybe that's an, an oxymoron. But then that goes back to my sort of general pessimism about humans or human natures, or whether you know humans are you know you know innately good, so to speak. So I do think there's going to be your murders. I do think there's going to be the spousal murders and all sorts of things, family murders, uh, even in a very wealthy society. And second of all, I do think the police or some organization needs to carry this out, um, carry out. Uh, justice or punishment, or you'll get more of them, or you'll get continuing grievances, which could bubble over into even worse things. Um, so, so Swinton, I've sort of stated a very uh, unutopian position um, to, to set up why I think we need, why I think I need some sort of security form or self-defense or justice, or which is all today been tasked by the police. And actually, in some countries like Canada, from my understanding, you're not even allowed to defend yourself. Um, that in itself is a crime, the state views. In the United States, it is, and I'm not sure the exact situation in Britain, so to speak. Um, but do you think there would need to be some sort of police, and do you think there would need to be, um, you think there would be crime? Swithin? On the first point, would there be crime? Uh, sorry, on the second point, uh, would there be crime? Yeah, of course there'd be crime. I mean, I think anybody, even if they think, you know, you've got to the uh, attainable goal of best sort of um, institutions in society, you know, structurally, as it were, it's as, as good as it can get. Obviously, even if you have the best structures, you can still have um, unsystematic. Uh, you can have um, unsystematic uh, problems and violence, murder, etc., etc. So, uh, Yes, there's definitely be crime. Then the question is, well, why not commit crime? And I think deterrence is obviously a, a reason why people don't commit crime. I think that's clearly true. Then the question arises, how can we um, deter crime in Ankapistan? Well, obviously, police are an option. And I think police probably would be an option, but I'll return to that in a second. But I do think, though, uh, in Ankapistan, there'd be a much greater emphasis placed on personal security. And self-defense um, because well there wouldn't be any laws against you self uh, defending yourself so thank you basically in England it's practically impossible to defend yourself unless you're particularly good with your fists uh, and if you are then you'll probably uh, be found guilty of maiming an assailant uh, just because of how um, messed up the criminal justice system is in England I think there'd be much greater emphasis played on self-defense for one reason that um, it's probably going to be cheaper. If you're armed, you know, getting yourself a gun and training with it, that's probably going to be cheaper than paying um, to have like a full security service out on the streets all the time. I think that's certainly true. So for, on a cost basis, I think you're going to end up having quite a lot more self-defense. So I would anticipate then in Ankapistan, um, you could argue that it would be a somewhat martial society in that, you know, people would be expected to be able to defend themselves and they would have the means to defend themselves. 
So, you know, whether it's open carry or if it's concealed carry, uh, I don't really know. But I think you certainly have that. However, would it still be helpful to have somebody to deter uh, crime on the streets, maybe from, from in your own home or, you know, when you're just unsuspecting and having somebody there that uh, cri- no, criminals know can potentially stop them quite easily um and to, to dissuade them from committing crime well i think yes i mean you clearly have like private security guards or whatever in places like um oh disneyland is a good example uh various um shopping centers so i do think um you would have them and the question arises in what form what form they would take um now this kind of gets to i think to some extent the somewhat militarization of tactics and style of policing, which has developed really over the last mm, 30, 40 years or so. Um, in England, the traditional way up until the 50s was, well, it was England. They, the, the police weren't armed. They still aren't routinely armed, actually, in England. Uh, the, they have special uh, trained ones who are, but most of them aren't. But basically, um, back to the 50s, they were considered... Um, citizens in uniform effectively uh and um what they did is they tended to work alone and they do the beat patrol so basically just walk around the same place all the time and everyone know they were there and that would deter crime and then what happened after the 60s and this is on peter hitchens writes uh, a lot about in say the um brief history of crime is that they then decided to become a reactive force and go into cars now, um, it is now obviously to what extent you need cars is going to be dependent on how, how what the built environments are like. Uh, so in America, I'd be surprised you could you could police without cars. I mean, that's basically going to be impossible because the density isn't high enough, at least in many places, because it's all very car centric. But if you've got a more densely populated uh, places, say in England, especially some of the older developments, then beat patrolling is a possibility and you don't necessarily have just the reactive force. So here, for example, you don't really see the police uh, typically, but then you ring them up to turn up you know, 20 minutes after the, the criminals left and you have some sort of reactive one. And I don't really think it's as active, acts as much as a deterrent as it would be if they were kind of, you knew they were walking around. Um, so I do think that police would be helpful especially because you know not everyone's gonna be amazing at self-defense you know there's division of labor there's specialization that's helpful uh and there's going to be maybe environments where you don't really want to be in a a position that you want to be ready to defend yourself all the time uh and and especially you know to prevent uh crime in housing because you know you're unsuspected uh well maybe out or something like that so it could dissuade people then so um I do think having uh, an organization which um, deters, I would ideally, it seems to me to make the most sense to be have something on foot primarily, although I can see why that wouldn't always work. Um, now, the question then arises, though, you know, what powers might this organization have and to what extent are they might be different from the average citizen? Uh, that's a separate question. But as to the sort of like an organization to um, deter crime, I think would be useful and would exist. I want to follow up on that point you just made. Uh, I, I think 
they actually ironically tend to agree with the Marxists. I just I just think they tend to do the very thing they uh, 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 claim. Um, you know, the, the police in, in some ways defend the ruling class, and I think in the United States and Britain, that's exactly what the police do. Um, um, so 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 the, the actual functioning of a lot of the functions of the police is to protect the ideological aims and the um, and the and the sort of other and the, the property of the ruling class. I, I mean, as we see in the United States currently, the huge a standing army surrounding the U.S. Capitol. Again, there's no threat to the Capitol actually being stormed currently. Um, uh, you know whether that that it's actually deterring it is of some question. Uh, that that is of some question. But I would argue that the police in general do defend the property of the the state. Um, they do the state. You know the schools, the courthouses, and so forth. I mean, I mean that's one of the prime roles of the police, and I would assume it's the exact same in Britain. Um, and then, and then, and of course, they'd also defend the property of you know, the mega corporations and the large corporations as well. <clears throat> um, and this is where you get into this sort of: Does Walmart pay its fair share? You know, the sort of Kevin Carson style. You know, Keith Preston will oftentimes make this. I've seen people like Thaddeus Russell make this. You know, like look, Walmart has like 10,000 square feet. Your local mom and pop does shop doesn't. You know, Walmart is a bigger user of this and, you know, is sort of a free rider. And, of course, people like Garen Books or Ayn Rand might make some good counter-arguments. Uh, I don't think it's as bad as the Carsonites claim it is, but I do think there's a, is, there is a point. I, I, don't, I do think there's a point there. I think there's definitely a point there when it comes to, like, um, the state property. You know, military bases are surrounded by military police and so forth, um, you know. But – that those issues aside, um, the issue of citizen on citizen crime, um, I, I do in general think it's going to exist, and I do think it's going to happen. I mean, there's serial killers and murderers in the for, in the former Soviet Union. There's serial killers and murderers in Cuba. Yeah, you know, this is not like this is not some Western idea. And of course, you could always take the Chomsky position to argue that the, that the Soviet Union was a reactionary society. But then again, that's then then why are people like Brent Langle and that that it makes even further when people like Richard Wolfers and Brent Langle and all other people defend them. Um, but nonetheless, crime on citizen citizen exists. And I, I think I think one of the benefits of the police is division of labor, which you stated. Um, this is this is this is the same way with everything else. I mean, I mean, there, if you take any technology, you, you keep improving on it. It becomes harder and harder for any lay person. Do it. Now, not to say that they can't do it or it should be legal for them to do it, um, but there is there is a big difference between a well-armed, you know, your well-armed commando and, you know, some average Joe on the street. Um, you know, as you pointed out with your fist, you're not very good at your fist. Uh, and, of course, you have the, you know, I won't mention that any genderist ideas or anything like that. But of course, you have your elderly and you have children, too. Um, so I'm not trying to say what about the children or anything in that regard, but there are classes of people out there that probably are incapable or not capable of doing it effectively. Now, of course, you could go back and say, well, this crime is rare. I think it is to a certain extent rare. Um, and I think in a society that's well off, it's going to be probably rare. But I, I, I'm going to continue to state that rich people and well, well off people commit crimes too. Um, so, you know, if you get rid of the actual thing, then we get into a problem. And this is actually one of the critiques that you can make some of the Amish, you know, or the Mennites, you know, you could argue they're free riding on the local police department 
Um, now there are other ways where they pay in. They still pay taxes. They still they're they're very peaceful. They resolve their own disagreements. But in theory, if someone wanted to come in and take their stuff, um, they could. Now, now whether they would do that, whether they would you know sing hymns or whatever, and they would just be so well liked that no one would want to do it. I, I do think I do think there are classes of people that not just them that benefit from having a professional police department out there. Um, and so in this case, I think we need private security firms or we need or now. So, again, this is where this is where the actual minarchist anarchist debate, which I think we want to get into, um, comes in. And one of the critiques that Richard Epstein will make of like the anarchists is not only what I just said, but they'll say that no one's going to actually give up their TV or whatever. And this is property crime, not violent crime. Um, but in violent crime is the same thing. You know, if you if you're you know if you just went and you know murdered the elderly lady down the street and she couldn't defend herself, um, and there's clear evidence that you did it, you know, let's say there's a, uh, let's say there's you know your blood on the carpet and that's you know and you're you're there. I mean, who's gonna do that? What you know who's gonna do it? And there's a strange thing that happens in the United States. I think it happens. I think the crimes are actually against the crown, uh, and the Britain are against in the United States are U.S. versus such and such, uh, the people versus such and such in that case. Um, um, so in that case, I mean, you could imagine that narco-capitalist firms do it like pro bono or on charity. You could imagine other people, in, interested parties taking up the case. Or maybe, and this is what Hans Hoppe would point out when, you know, is the person well-liked or something like this? Um um, you know, like if, if that person was an obviously a terrible person and someone just decides to kill them, you know, you know, that that's that 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 those things happen. This goes into David Friedman's feud system that might may or may not have existed in Iceland or um, Ireland. Um, so I, I do think there is a problem of there's certain classes of people that can't defend themselves um, who may benefit from it. Now, do they benefit from the state? Now, that goes back to the earlier point I made about the state being just sort of the sort of classic Marxist anarchist position, which libertarians at times buy into certain aspects of it, where the state – that's not the state's primary concern. The state's primary concern is protecting Raytheon. It's protecting um, the Capitol buildings and the courthouses for its own interest. So, Swithin, what do you make of that, the points I just made regarding the classes of people that might not be able to defend themselves, as well as the fact of increasing complexity – um, um, not everyone's good with their fist, um, as well as the point about, you know, the, 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 the actual, one of the primary functions of the police is just to defend states with them. Oh, I would entirely agree uh, that uh, the police is there to defend the ruling class. I mean, it's, it's blatantly obvious in their, um, um, in their priorities and what they actually defend and what they don't. I mean, it, it, it's, it's pretty clear. If, if, if you ring up, uh, I mean, you know, for example, for example, you know, you get loads of businesses that get attacked all through the year, and then a few guys stumble in into the uh, Capitol building, and then they go insane. I mean, like, um, it, it's blatantly obvious that that is the purpose of the police, uh, and and now it's to and now it seems to be enforcing the uh, ideology of the ruling class as well. Um, there's a bill passed in Scotland, which uh, was a what was it called? Was it called the hate speech uh, law, which basically 
would make illegal um, statements of quote unquote racism in the home or something along those lines. And, and you know, if they were um, accused of that, I'm almost certain the police would follow and try to um, enforce it because, you know, that's what the purpose of the police is. And it's also true, you know, some people can't defend themselves. Now, I suppose you could say, well, they if they can't defend themselves, they should go out with someone who can defend them. Fair enough. That's possible. Um, but they won't and they would need defending. Um, now, the interesting question you mentioned about Richard Epstein um, about basically the use of force in um, Ancapistan. Um, and I think this is uh, an error on behalf of those who are advocating Ancapistan and also possibly misunderstanding by the minarchists is that um, I think if the the correct interpretation or well, okay, my interpretation of Ancapistan, uh, the point of or what might constitute Ancapistan is basically that, well, there is no taxation and you can't initiate um, violence against anybody else. Now, if it's the case that um, they've been found to have committed a crime or a tort of certain description, well, then it's perfectly re reasonable and would be justifiable in that society to um, to uh, forcibly enact a, a, a judge's ruling. So suppose the judge was to say, uh, you have stolen this money, you need to return it plus your TV. If he refuses to give up his TV, then it would be perfectly justified you know, by using the minimum required force to send someone in to take the TV off the guy, even if he doesn't want to. Um, you know, because that the whole point of the site isn't that it's technically a voluntary society in so far as every action must be voluntary within within there. What it is 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 basically no taxation and crucially, um, there's no legally privileged organisation who can perform particular actions. This is what I mentioned before with respect to what powers could the police have. Um, I would say, well, they would just have the same powers anybody else would have. They'd have so so at the moment the police can arrest people, keep them in, in jail, well keep them in the cell for 24 hours, and then release them without charge. But they suffer no consequences for doing so, doing that at all. If I was to do that, I'd be subject to uh, kidnapping uh, charge. Now, if it was the case that um, if I had reason to suspect that this guy was a problem, and you know I I I, I arrested him, fine. Um, then if I if the police was allowed to do that, I would be allowed to do that. Now. That then depends the question, well, should the police even be able to do that? Um, I think I think they could possibly do it, although I think the idea of uh, strict liability would be in place in place. So if you thought someone was a uh, party to a crime or whatever, and you, you needed them and you suspected them and you put them in jail like a cell for 24 hours. And if you transpired that, no, they weren't a criminal, then, you know, you pay compensation. I think that, but that that might be taking us a little bit too far afield into the actual nitty gritty of the system. But the point I, I think Epstein misunderstands is force is perfectly fine. It's a question of what justifies it, and what isn't justified is um, a legally privileged body and taxation. I think that those are sort of like the two the twin pillars um, uh, of um, Ancapistan. Um, so I, I think with what the police could do, I think it's more about what is a legitimate process to take uh, to undertake. 
And, you know, if anybody undertakes that process, then that's considered reasonable. Now, it might be the case that people, if you had these uh, organizations which have a good reputation, that people, then it would make sense to go through them because you would expect them to follow the right protocols rather than some random guy on the street might not. And so you might not, um, you'd have less confidence that he was following the the correct procedure or de- dealing with people fairly, whereas uh, an organization with a brand name, et cetera, you might expect to do so. Um, so that would be, so I, I think the criticism for the Aminicus of the anarchists is false, or at least some anarchists. I mean, there could well be some who advocate just a purely voluntary society in a sense of where well, you can't initiate force against someone, even if they've initiated force against you. Um, so I think, but yeah, I think the criticism of Ankapistan is, is, is an issue. Uh, and uh, yeah, not everyone can defend themselves. I think that's a fair way of putting things. Well, one of the things that the minarchists, I think, tend to forget, as well as, of course, um, the big government liberals, I'll call them, uh, you know, your, your, your standard um, um, uh, here in the United States, your, your standard Nancy Pelosi types. Um, I imagine it's a corresponding uh, similarity in Britain and elsewhere, uh, is the state has no interest. The state doesn't always protect the old lady down the street, which oftentimes is how the police um, claim to defend what they they do. They claim to say they want that that's their role. But in practice, they do anything but that. They go after, um, and this is where I think one of the clear, one of the clear problems, I think the, um, the well, current I, the history of like prohibition is actually quite fascinating here in the United States, and the question of, of various um, moral crusades in the United States, which led to you know the vice squads, is actually rather fascinating. Thaddeus Russell interviewed someone a while back, I remember her name, um, but she wrote a book called The Feminist War on Crime, um, and she argues in that book that like a lot of a lot of laws, uh, you know, and this is no surprise to me. It's no surprise to anyone to, that is not stuck in, you know, the normie, um, <laughs> the normie mind frame is that like a, a, a lot of laws are like, you know, and this is true. Also, you get the other struggles where the laws are set up in family courts and so forth. Um, I mean, in some ways they're a leftover from older era, um, but a lot of laws are set up to, you know, uh, harm productive people, arguably. Um, and um, 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 if anything, if anything, they, they, they exploit people. Um, so this is why I tend to agree with the the, the Marxists here, but just diff, different, a different interpretation, a different um, view of the victims. And and the actually history of like vice squads and prohibition and like the war on drugs is rather complicated. You know, it's worth pointing out uh, that Joe Biden was in favor of all the drug laws, most Democrats. And a person like Larry Elder, uh, he's a you know black conservative, um, you know, would point out. And, and Thomas Sowell basically would agree, too, um, that, you know, many people. I think Martin Luther King himself, you know, the, the, the patron saint of the United States, uh, would say that, you know, drugs are drugs are, are are wretched, they're abhorrent, they're wicked, we should ban them. So it's not just like the Christian right that um, 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 that created the war on drugs or the war on prostitution or the war on alcohol. Uh, it, it, in some ways, you could call it the Christian left. Uh, you know the suffragette movement and all these other groups. You know, the, you know, there's a there's a funny political cartoon I once saw of 
you know, stand with the good people, uh, get away from demon rum. And they had a bunch of suffragettes standing as the good people. So, so like feminism to some extent behind, um, you know, there's a joke that like um, that's not quite true. Um, but it, it's it's true in general. Or it's true enough um, that, you know, the first thing the feminists did in the United States was ban alcohol. Um, um, uh-huh. uh, but nonetheless, and alcohol led to a large militarization of the police, the, the you know, the invention of the FBI, the invention of the organized crime. Because before then, organized crime didn't have as much business, uh, except everyone wanted to drink. Um, so the actual history uh, that goes into this, it's not, it's not, there's no, the, you know, I'm sorry, um, the new Jim Crow author. Um, there's no, there's no boogeyman out there that wanted to put it in. Um, if anything, that boogeyman is Joe Biden. Or Martin Luther King, but you guys won't take them out anyway. So, uh, you know, take down those two people, and then we could start talking about um, what the uh, issues of of mass incarceration, war on drugs, and so forth. So the actually history of that is rather complicated. But this is where moral crusades come into play. Moral crusades are only possible in that regard of a wealthy society or society that's making itself poor. Uh, you know, China during the communist revolution or North Korea may be able to do air quote moral crusades just because it's a really poor society for really oppressive government. But in, up in, but in societies that are way above subsistence, um, it's really only wealthy societies that can do the more or highly capable societies. So it's like on the, on the ends of the spectrum, I can actually pull off a moral crusade of this kind of variety. And actually the, the war on hate speech as you brought up, is itself a moral crusade, which I would argue or originates from the Christian left or the social democratic left, as Moldbug would call it, or um, um, ultra Calvinist. Um, so those type of things, those type of things are unprofitable. Um, but people can take wealth they made in other sources to use to finance these um, um, crusades. And they can be against alcohol. They can be against uh, people teaching their dogs to do salutes. It could be against all sorts of things. But these things, I would argue, are all basically victimless. Victimless, and this is where Murray Rothbard, I think, is very good. I was reading a recent quote of him talking about climate change and aggression. Um, and he argued why aggression is, when it's unclear that there's any clear link between you drinking rum. Now, if you get in a car and actually kill somebody, maybe the rum caused it. But you also have the crime of just driving recklessly. That also could be easily be a foreseeable crime. Uh, you don't need to add the additional one. You know, Rand Paul, I think, was against the lynching bill. Why? Because already there's aren't no one. Everyone thinks murder is illegal. It doesn't matter by what method. You don't need to add some extra, you know, boogeyman word behind it. Um, um, so you know, but like going out, it, it could be that drugs are bad. I actually, I've never, I don't really drink, and I don't, I've never done any of the other things. But I don't. I'm not opposed to people, you know, Joe Rogan wants to take DMT or marijuana. I don't care. I actually, but I do agree with like people like Steven Crowder and Joe Rogan to fight. I do. I don't think many people could actually handle themselves with marijuana, which goes back to why people like Martin Luther King and Joe Biden um, wants to go after drugs or Malcolm X as well. Want to go after drugs because drugs can ruin your community. Now, again, it could be that the drug vice squads ruin your community more. Um, but I think the actual, this goes back to deterrence, they might actually do deter some things. 
you know, it could be that deterring prostitution is because Thomas Aquinas was thought prostitution was immoral, but he thinks it should be legal. But this this is this goes back into the sort of tricky thing. It's like you know, the only society that actually can do that is a, is a wealthy society or a society that wants to put all its resources into it. And this and then that just makes society even worse off. Um, so so I do. So so the issue of moral crusades of things that aren't by any mean reasonable definition. And you could attack my use of the word reasonable definition um, that aren't any have any reasonable aggression. Um, is problematic now, and, and actually, this is one of my problems with the sort of anti the anti-abortion movement as well. Um, there's, it, you know, Gary North Inc. If it, it, in in Kapistan would have to have a lot of money to actually go after people um, um, as murder um, um, to find them as a vice squad. They'd have to have a lot of power to do that. Um, um, you know, to find the embryo and zygote that's out there. Um, so I do think there is a there is there is a sort of technical problem of going after that, but in, to me, one of the benefits of Ancapistan is none of this would be profitable um, unless you have other resources, uh, and then of course there might be other people to defend them, uh, to defend you from that. So maybe you could, if you want to hire, you know, you hire some thing. And as you point out, people would be in theory equal. Um, you know, if, if you did, if you if you take someone into your basement and put them in a cell. What, what the police is allowed to do, you'd be you'd be considered as a kidnapper. If the police do that, you know, that's just what they're paid to do. So, Swithin, what do you make of my general points on the origins of moral, like the sort of moral crusades, including the hate speech laws, which is another extension of the moral crusades, um, as well as drugs and other things? I mean, I, some of those things I actually, in theory, agree with. Um, well, in theory. Um, but nonetheless... They aren't particularly profitable, and they do lead to the militarization of the police, but the extra people behind them are interesting. So do you, how do you think in Kapistan, if it would be an improvement, or would it be even would it be even worse, or, or would it just be different? Swithin? I think you're right when it comes to uh, victimless crimes or whatever you, 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 wish, you wish to call them. They could well be um, rather expensive to um, enforce. That said... I don't think they need necessarily – well, it depends on how effective they would be. Or, or put it this way, um, the issue with a lot of the victimless crime enforcement, um, which increases the power of the police, is that they cease to have to have uh, probable cause in many cases. They can just sort of turn up and, oh, uh, oh, we just have suspect that you might have something we need, and we can uh, arrest you accordingly. I know in principle you supposed to get warrants and stuff, but the, the requirements of that is going down um, all the time. Um, similarly, with when they introduced the drink driving laws, I mean, if it was the case that they had evidence that you were driving badly and they pulled you over and you were in fact drunk, well then, okay, yeah, you could, you, you, you know, you could uh, think of that as an offence in a certain way, and so you know that could be prosecuted, fine. But the, the problem is, I think with the, the sort of moral crusades and to our extent is that they basically presume guilt until you prove innocence so you have to go around and sort of um so like, you know the, the police can just randomly stop you and it's also the same thing with the uh, coronavirus legislation to our extent effectively it assumes that um you are a bioweapon without any evidence or 
any real sort of link that you may in fact be a carrier and may be able to uh, transmit it to somebody else. I mean, that's just um, just completely assumed and not proven. Um, now, when it comes to now, that said, even if you were to have to have probable cause for entry and that other kind of thing. Yeah, of course, that's going to cost more than if you didn't go after it. And I think the question would arise here, not necessarily just of cost, but rather of what the uh, the preferences of the Ankapistan society would be if they thought that that um, drugs were particularly bad. They may pay for people to go and um, and forcibly stop people from taking them. Um, now, this isn't obviously consistent with Rothbardian ethics, but um, David Friedman acknowledges that that is a, a possible outcome. Um, but it is true uh, that if the enforcement of something to a large extent requires a large bureaucracy and uh, a lot of manpower, then that's probably going to dissuade some people from paying for it. Uh, on your point in abortion, I think that's possibly true uh, with abortion, uh, but probably only at the very early stages of abortion uh, to the towards the later stages. Um, trying to prove that an, an abortion took place would be relatively more straightforward. Um, now, I don't know what Gary North would say, but um, if Gary North Inc. were to abide by uh, probable cause uh, requirements to investigate and, you know, innocence into proven guilty, um it still might be to some extent expensive and it may not be that um, effective, although the question arises would depends how effective people think it is rather than how it actually is. Because if you think an organization can be effective, even though in practice it isn't, well, then it then it actually fulfills the deterrence effect. Um, I suppose that might be an interesting case uh, with the current police is that those sort of people who don't commit crime and then thought, oh, if I do commit crime, the police will get me. But then there's people who commit crime on the lower end and do it quite regularly. And they go, well, actually, the police are unlikely to get me because they actually have a better they have better information about um, how the police actually do or do not enforce um, in, enforce laws. Um, so that's certainly true. So I don't think I have some necessarily not have um, moral. You could call them moral crusades. Uh, and I'm assuming here it's not necessarily Rothbardistan because Rothbardistan by definition couldn't. I say it's Friedenstan, uh, something on those lines. It, it, it could do. But in any sort of Ankapistan version is going to have a greater sense of individual responsibility and will also want to try to influence society where possible without uh, direct force. So I think they're going to be less likely to do that on moral crusades in general in the origin. I do think it's certainly the case that all the moral crusades we have today are Christian or post-Christian in their uh, origin. Now, it would be interesting to see any other societies which have sort of moral crusades uh, outside the Christian society. Now, I, I fully expect there are. I mean, you could commit sacrilege and various religious offences in various um times and there would be heretical movements even presumably among the Aztec uh, or in various uh, tribal societies um, so um, I do think um, moral crusades will probably exist everywhere and always that said you could argue that there's a hmm, maybe a perfectionistic streak in, Christ in Christianity 
which doesn't exist in other religions, which would make it more prone to moral crusading than would um, the Aztec or some um, African tribal society. Although um, I don't know if that's 100 percent true. I'd have to research more. But the, that'd be my broad response on sort of moral crusading, um, its, its cost, etc. The cost point on moral crusade, I think, I think is the key point. Um, um, and I think it's the, the, the central point. I think it's in the end why uh, it's in the end why they're probably gonna go away. Um, is they're just they're just not worth it. And as far as Gary North Inc is concerned, that's just my name of a hypothetical um, firm, which in some ways is a boogeyman. In some ways, is a personif- in some ways it's just a personification of like the worst tendencies the left thinks of and Capistan um, they could imagine. Um, I, I, I sort of invented that in my head a while back. Um, 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 I, uh, but but moral crusades happen in 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 you could, you could argue that in Chomskyite stand moral crusades would happen too. You know, as of course the hate speech laws for one thing, and of course the climate change thing. Um, now of course you know they would argue that it's aggression, relation, pollution. Um, but then you get into the coast theory, and you get into other things about that, like. Yeah, actually, and David Friedman has brought this up. Maybe not having, maybe banning you from burning, having a power plant is itself an aggressive act. Um, 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 so, so you know, the and we've we've stated this in previous episodes. The left advocates the police. Um, um, you know, actual distinct socialist societies have had lots of police. They actually, in some ways, had more police. Probably, um, they're some of the most policed societies in the world. I mean, I mean, I mean, current day China, you, you have actual standard police, although, as many analysts point out that or being more sober, it's borderline a nationalist fascist society. Um, but it's a well functioning society in some ways. Um, so maybe that is actually the ideal society, you know, but that that that's way too politically incorrect for anyone to say. Um, but nonetheless, you know, is it is it communism? What, what exactly is it? But there's a lot of police there currently in existing um, um, China, you know, East Germ- historical East Germany. Um, so the militarization of the police is not merely a Western Christian um, idea that happens in the United States, for example. Um, um, so the, that's that's untrue. Um, and I'm, I, as far as what happens outside the West, I would argue that out. So well, first of all, Islam is somewhat Western to begin with in some ways. Um, so if you want to talk about the Islamic world, that's sort of part of, you know, um, Abrahamic religions. Um, so it has a lot of the similar tendencies. In places like Turkey, um, you know, they're, 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 they're Turkey, Ottoman Empire, they ruled Eastern Europe up until, you know, the siege of Vienna and the Greek Revolution, World War One. Um, so in some ways they're Western, and, and and of course the Aztecs, that's that has more in common with like the ancient slave, I guess that was, you know, so not entirely, um, but uh, they weren't. Uh, it, it properly understood no, no, you know, Ben Burgess is not going to want to move to the Aztec society unless he wants to virtue signal that he want, he's being multicultural. Um, um, I mean, if, if you know, and this goes back to the Keith Preston's post from a Native American saying Marxism is alien as Christianity. Um, so, so I, I don't, as far as your points about, you know, what happens outside, in some ways, 
Western ideals of liberalism, which I would argue anarchism, which we're defending, is is almost everywhere um, in some form or another. It could be Marxism. Um, it could be, you know, some form of reformed Islam. It could be Christianity. It could be post-Christian. So I do think there's going to be police in some ways. Uh, I do think there's going to be moral crusades in other societies. And I think the organization tasked with this would be, would, would, would be private police um, in my ideal society because then the cost would not be subjected to everyone. It would only be what you could actually do. Now, this this goes into the minarchist-anarchist debate, and I think the heart of the minarchist-anarchist debate. And on this question, I remain agnostic, but in general take the David Friedman approach that it might be better. Um, it might be better. It might be worse. It might be worse, but 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 I've sort of laid out a sort of general attack on the left-wing critics of of Encapistan, um, um in the sense that they are either behind a lot of the things they hate or dislike, and they they don't really provide any historical examples of societies that are better than Christian societies. In some ways, they they're actually the best societies, like United States. Um, Britain, or in some ways, the, for all its problems, are probably a lot better places to live when it comes to police and protection. Um, although, although, and actually, you know, current day China is not too bad in a lot of ways. You know, as long as you're not in Uyghur or, you know, living in one of the uh, uh, non-central provinces. Um, 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 so, I do think moral crusades will happen. I do think crimes going to happen. Um, but the the issue of force. This remains – this is a force, free riding, and what exactly do um, people can't defend themselves? And, you know, and like this goes into the would the warlords take over in the form of a gang type uh, argument, which often gets thrown at. I mean, in some ways, I would argue the current existing state functions like a warlord anyway. Um, so so the, if the current existing state functions like a warlord, I mean this, this goes – this is this is this is to me the central this is the central problem. You know the problem is not would that would that guy down the street kill me if the you know the state went away. You know who who do you really fear? Do you fear the state or do you fear you know private actors? And this this to me I'm I'm a, I'm agnostic on this question. There are some times where I'm clearly glad the police are around. Um, although although from what the left would probably say. I'm just being a bad person for saying that. Um, but there are other times where I'm, I don't want the police around. Um, 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 and, then, and then people would say, well, you, you just want to commit, uh, you know, you just want to do bad vices. You know, the, the Christian right would say, well, you just want to do, you know, morally uh, impious behavior. Um, so, so from my perspective, I think it's a case by case basis. And I don't really have a general theory answer to the America's anarchist view. I've just, as a pure level, I've sort of platonic level, I've decided on anarchism. I think it's the, the better better position to defend, um, um, and it, it sort of gets you away from actually having to defend the current state, which I have no interest in doing, and since COVID, I have increasingly zero interest in defending. I mean, the police, um, ha the police don't defend any private bourgeois, petite bourgeois property. They actually go after it. Um, um, they actually go after productive people and they, you know, give all the money to the state employees to go after them more. So I'd argue there's the warlord that everyone fears. 
Um, um, and in some ways, the sort of cultural left is behind creating it. Um, um, and we've discussed this on previous sessions, like why the left will abolish the state. I mean, I mean, they're in much Joe Biden and Malcolm X and Martin Luther King are as much involved with the mass incarceration in the United States, believe it or not, as some boogeyman Gary North is. Um, so th those are my general comments on this anarchist minarchist debate. I don't have an answer to it. But I would say the, the, the actual warlord now is, you know, the existing state. So, Swithin, what do you make of those comments? I've rambled on to a certain extent about that. Um, and what do you make of the anarchist minarchist in the actual existing police, as well as the other, you know, the multicultural comments of his money? Swithin? Um, when it comes to the uh, anarchist minarchist debate, I, I, I don't really think that's a debate over whether there should be one police force rather than multiple. I mean, that's that's that, that's the main one. But I think you, you've rightly pointed out, I think everybody wants uh, an organization, well, apart from the pacifists, that can forcibly impose a certain rule upon other people. The question is, what rule should they enforce and how should you go about doing it? Um, the difference between, uh, say, uh, before between the minarchists and the anarchists is that the minarchists think it's fine to try and fund this organization by taking stuff from people who might not want to fund them, whereas anarchists say, no, you shouldn't. I mean, that's ultimately the, the difference. But I, I think most of them would then agree, you know, beyond that, you know, if they are committing what they consider a crime, they can kind of, um, you know, enforce it. Um, on the multicultural point, yes, I do think it is true that liberalism has um, gone around the world in certain forms. So you could say that that is uh, having a bigger um, impact to encourage uh, crusading in um, um, certain types. Um, but yeah, I, I say I, it's unclear to me as to which societies are more prone to it than others. Um, but yeah, uh, overall, I, I, as I say, I, I think I think the big question is not whether the police exist; it's how they're funded and what they enforce. I think that's really the big question. And secondly, you know, can they have legal privileges over and above what the other um, uh, average citizen would have? I think that's 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 really the uh, main issue here. I think. One of, the, one of the questions I always have is 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 uh, do actually uh, who, who, we've, we've stated the we say the fact that the, the, the actual one of the primary functions of the police is to defend the ruling class, um, but with, with groups like the Social Democrats, um, you know, oftentimes it, it, oftentimes I see in standard commentary and and since as Baldwin points out the universities have always to a certain extent been further left than the general population so they, they sort of bugaboo you know your, your normal uh, conservative type positions uh, they oftentimes say the police are the defender of the blue and actually they're the ones who fly the flags um, but here in the United States in some ways recently you know you see you see armed you know you guys see armed people walking around capitals um, dressed in full uniform, they're private citizens. They're probably not Biden supporters. Um, so one of my pro one of my interesting questions is like, is like, to what extent do you think the Social Democrats um, actually, you know, support the actual existing police? Because this gets thrown at in Kapistan that would it be it would be 
you get two critiques getting thrown out. One, one is that it would be just a police state with this sort of RoboCop police force there, um, which in some ways I would argue that we're in, in, in a society that you guys at times defend, we already have. Uh, we already increasingly have. And in places like Britain and Canada, where it's illegal to defend yourselves, um, uh, I'd argue, say, we are, that's already in some ways there, the sort of anarcho-tyranny. Um, but, you know, what, what do you think of the sort of social democrats' view of it, uh, of police, uh, and as far as the critiques that go toward and capstan in that regard? Swethan? The Social Democrats posture against the police at all times, and but once the the police in the current um, um, political system is a threat, they then rally behind and become the big uh, uh, bootlickers in existence. Um, so, as ever, it, again, it's it's not really a pro-police, anti-police to our extent, unless you say anti-police is anti-legal privilege of the police in which case you have to take the anarchist position uh but beyond that it's just a case of well we support the police when we like them and, and we won't do when we won't and um as you can see with the the insurrection so-called it's like well in a way they fundamentally believe in the system and so because that's why the reformists and so ultimately they will then defend it. So I, I think that's the way to understand the way the social democrats uh, approach it. In a sense, it's similar to the conservatives in certain respects who are reformist types. Oh, you know, they're just good, but we sort of need to, you know, um, rough soften some edges or, or harden some edges, more in the case than the conservatives, I suppose. Um, but they, again, they fundamentally think, you know, the legal privileges of the police are justified and, you know, the the state as such is as it's currently constituted in the united states is legitimate in certain ways now i, I do think that's waning on the right uh, but especially that the left apart from the anarchist left are very much you know you know the 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 the, the system itself is 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 kind of ultimately good it's sort of got you got bad actors messing with the system i think that's the the way i would approach the social democrat position the bad actor position to me is also cuts into the heart of the now, I think Basti has a quote about it, like, like that, 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 that to me cuts in the heart of the anarchist, anarchist debate. Um, if there are bad actors, the most, and we, we say this is a joke at once, you know, you know, what do you call a small group of people, you know, they're a gang, what, what do you call a large group? It's a government, uh, a large group of, you know, a large group of people is called the government. The bad actor point of, regarding human pessimism if you're pessimistic about humans, I would argue that you'd have to be an you, you ought to be an anarchist if you're pessimistic about humans. Um, if you're an idealist, then you actually think there would didn't this is sort of circles back to my opening utopian comments that brought up for Coach Trump's debate. If you're an idealist about humans, but this is where the reformist comes in, and this is where you know you're gonna force people to be free. Where you know uh, you're gonna force people to be free, you know. This is one of the Orwell slogans that show up in his wonderful book, 1984, comes up. Um, um, where we're, you know, you know. So, so, do you think that those 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 comments about human pessimism leading to anarchism um, is actually the, the the correct intellectual way to think about it? Oh yeah, certainly. Uh, I mean, that's what. Um can set me towards sort of a, a, a you could go a broadly anarchistic position 
Robert Lefevre, I think you pronounce his name. If men are angels, you don't need government. And if they are evil, then you dare not have one. Um, which I think is a perfectly accurate statement. Um, now, I still think citing these leaders, but having them in a like a, a dual law position is highly dangerous, which is effectively the situation you have with effective legal privilege. Yes, notwithstanding the argument that you know, someone needs to set the laws in a certain sense and decide what's legitimate and what's not, that's always going to be an issue. Uh, and then there's questions about how the mechanism, how that could be um constituted but um, a system whereby everybody is sort of legally treated the same uh as individuals not as not as uh, office holders note because some of the oh yes as office holders they are treated equal whoever holds office is treated equal it's like no 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 not as office holders as individuals over a certain age and of mental competency if they are all treated the same uh then that i think is likely to lead to but legally speaking that is is going to lead to a um an average better um outcome uh, so yeah I, I do think that pessimism point is is really the the, the best argument for anarchism i uh, just now like to thank everyone for listening if you've enjoyed this please share it with your friends and family and subscribe to us on podbean and on youtube the more subscribers we get the higher in the search rankings we go and the more people can uh, listen to this material and finally if you'd like to contact the show for any reason please contact us at mindcrimelibertyshow@gmail.com. at gmail.com that's mindcrimelibertyshow@gmail.com. at gmail.com